ballet is the gift that just keeps on giving. I hated ballet as a child from like three to 16. I loathed it. I then, I did it in Canada when I didn't have a work permit. So that saved me then. When my children were small, I went to evening classes in ballet. That gave me sort of a little bit of space for myself. And now, you know, after all these years, I can say unapologetically, oh no, I, I can't meet for a sandwich for lunch or whatever because I'm going to class. I think it's just kept me sane during the pandemic without my classes. I would have ended up in, I don't know, bed drinking vodka. You probably can take that out, Jeanette. Hi, everyone. My name is Ingrid Nachstern, and I was born in Dublin quite a long time ago of Anglo-Polish parents. My, my dad was Polish and my mom was English. I'm now sort of half in London and half in Dublin. So for 90 million years, I was a ballet teacher. And then in 2016, I took a sabbatical, went to London for six months, came back. And I think I fell accidentally into film work in by 2014. Up to then I had done live dance works and stuff. So I ended up turning my first live dance work, Table Manners slash Stopping at Red Lights, into a film and the same with freedom to go which was both of these works were a 30 minute live dance work and then they were turned into freedom to go was an eight and three quarter minute film table manners was seven and a half minute film uh, and i worked with luca truffarelli on that up to, up to making the film i'd never met him before but we kind of we get on really well it's like an artistic marriage made in heaven like if I if I was collaborating with another choreographer I think we'd probably kill each other but I know nothing about the technical end of film and we just bounce ideas off each other very well and work very well together so yeah so I fell into it accidentally I had no burning ambition or not sort of no interest in films I would go to see films but not I remember I was in Barcelona a good few years ago when people were doing some kind of screen dance stuff and it like just didn't really appeal to me I thought like basically what are they doing yeah so now I think it kind of suits my work better I, I I've got into trouble with pe people for describing meandering dance pieces but I talk about my own meandering dance pieces which then have to be pared down you've got to really think about what you're saying like you can't look you know downstage upstage and all over the place you're sort of presenting my hand sort of look at the hand and basically don't look at anything else so you've got to really be sure about what you want to say otherwise it ends up I imagine kind of all over the place the type of work I, I do is which I only realized six months into applying for film festivals is my work is experimental slash screen dance and it's more experimental than the slash screen dance six months into applying for festivals I was applying under the short film category and then I used to see things like narrative and documentary and animation. And then I realized, well, no, my film's not that. And then one day, hey, presto, I saw an experimental category and I thought, oh, I don't know what that is. So I, I shoved it in there. And I now realize that's what my work is. It's, it's non-linear, it's non-narrative. That doesn't mean that you can throw the kitchen sink at it. So Jeanette's asking me here how my work has evolved since my training. So... I always say this, 
even though I've basically done ballet on and off for the past, say, 50 plus years, and certainly in the last five years, I do it five days a week. In some ways, I don't think I have a, a, I suppose what I'm trying to say, I don't have a standard training, but I do have a training. And it's taken me years even to be able to say that without kind of, you know, couching it in justifications and whatever. So yes, my training is as a dancer. I've discovered a teacher in London who, the first time I went into her class, we were out probably at Tandus or Glisses. And she said to me, you have a lovely style. Now, nobody ever in all the years I've been doing ballet said something as nice as that to me. So I thought, hey, I'm yours for life. I'll come to your classes. So but that has panned out now because I feel kind of valued and respected. And obviously I'm not doing Swan Lake. I'm not doing arabesque up around my ears or whatever. But it's great for me. Like I was just saying to somebody else in another interview, like ballet is the gift that just keeps on giving. I hated ballet as a child from like three to 16. I loathed it. I then, I did it in Canada when I didn't have a work permit. So that saved me then. When my children were small, I went to evening classes in ballet. That gave me sort of a little bit of space for myself. And now, you know, after all these years, I can say unapologetically, oh no, I I can't meet for sandwich for lunch or whatever because I'm going to class. What work am I creating nowadays? Well, just before the pandemic hit last February, I was just sort of on the point because I had got two girls who are going to be in a tiny scene in my next film, which is about cosmetic surgery. And I was just about talking to Luca about maybe just doing little bits of scenes here and there rather than, you know, the whole thing, because I find that so so tiring and so not so much stressful but once you're on that roller coaster you've got to keep going like you can't get off it until the thing is finished so I was looking forward to maybe just doing this one tiny little scene and then boom the pandemic hit so whatever the next film which is about cosmetic surgery like most of the work has been done on it I have the text I have some of the choreography I know who's going to be in it and I can honestly say that I have not done virtually any work on it during the pandemic because my concentration just shot to pieces. So there you go. The reason I make films is to transmit a message. So it's not like I'm I'm making a film and whatever. I'm making a film because I'm making a statement. So in the first film, Table Manners, Stopping at Red Lights, it was about the dichotomy between public and private behavior with a few sort of random statements thrown in about abuse of natural resources and then in freedom to go we kind of tackled celebrity culture with the kardashians uh, the iraq war child beauty pageants and pornography child beauty pageants is something that i just have you know i feel the parents should be prosecuted but that's the personal opinion but anyway And also, I think the Kardashians, the effect, which is going to feed into my fourth film of, you know, basically you can't move unless you've got the perfect body, like you can't go outside the front door. And I think that's really detrimental to young girls, young women, young teenagers. And, you know, there should be a pushback against that. In Shoehorn Office, it was a statement about um, it's anti-rape because 
I read about a, a guy from Stanford University who allegedly raped a girl, a comatose girl on campus, and he was sent to prison for six months. His father made a remark after that he thought six months was a little bit harsh for a little bit of action. So that really, that stuck in my mind. And I have a rap thing in the film about a little bit of action. It gets a little bit graphic, but not, I, I always try and stay on the right side of just keeping people with me to watch the film. And the other bit of it was about the restrictive women's clothing throughout the ages, prompted by somebody called Nicola Thorpe, who worked in the city of London a good few years ago. And she arrived at work in flat shoes on her first day and was fired because she didn't wear high heel shoes. Now she took a court case against them and she won it. And I remember at the time thinking, mm, is there any point kind of making this point again? And I thought, well, yes, there is. So I intertwined the two things. I don't talk about Victorian courses, but you see images of, of us in shoehorn office with corsets over our Victorian dresses. And I talk about Chinese foot binding, which is all part of the thing of, in a way, sort of controlling women, because that was prevalent apparently up until 1900 and something, you know, the, at the beginning of the 20th century. As a result of having their, their feet broken, they weren't able then to move far from home. So girls were in agony, apparently, for two years, and then the pain wore off. But such, you know, and I, I, I kind of tie it into kind of mega high heel shoes nowadays. Like, I know I wear high heel shoes sometimes, but not the, the things that you're, you're literally on a pair of skyscrapers and you can't walk. Like, I think that that is ridiculous. And going back to Nicola Thorpe, the idea that you're going to be fired from your job because of what shoes you're wearing. Again, it's just very sexist and whatever. And since I will say since the Sarah Everard case in London, I mean, that that really affected me as I think, you know, the, the murder of the young woman who was in about 33 years old. And lots of people, the police at the time were saying, oh, you know, you should stay in or whatever. And I'm thinking, no, you know, people, men should not rape, not a women stay in your houses. So what, you know, we stay in our houses 24 hours a day. I don't think so. And that's a more difficult thing to tackle because I think, I think it needs to start with the education of boys from a very young age, like from the age of three. There's no point trying to to get to them when they're about age 16 or something it has to start really early and also not to put it in the kind of good and bad men category but I think good men need to stand up and be counted when you know the sex sexist banter is taking place uh they need to to come out and say things you know come on guys you can't say that or blah 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 so it's it's not just a little bit of banter it's it's part of a whole system I mean, somebody said to me in another interview last year, why do you hate men? I was like, I don't hate men. My husband's a lovely guy. We've been married for 40 plus years. It's just the cohort of men, like, like that hashtag, not all men, but all women. Every woman has that experience of being slightly terrified at night or slightly uncomfortable at night. Or we've all done the thing of, you know, pretending to look in our handbags because you're the, the somebody behind you and then you want to make sure they pass you out and you can see them in front of you and all of that kind of thing. But girls have just, it's part of the DNA. That, that's what you have to do to kind of survive when you're out and about. And it just shouldn't be like that. It sh should not be like that. So I'm getting a bit carried away here. I can only do a film about something where, like that phrase that Brock Turner's father used, but you know, a little bit of action. 
it has to grab me at a certain level. I mean, I think once I've, I've no longer anything to say, I will stop making films. I mean, it's great that they've, they've got out there and, you know, the message is out there for people who see the films and that, that's really good. There are kind of loads of topics that I could make a film about and I, I just don't know yet, apart from the next one, the cosmetic surgery one, I, I don't know what that next topic will be, but I will know when something about something hits me and stays with me. Once it, once it stays with me, I'll know, okay, we, we kind of work on this.